You late, motherfucker. God damn. Nigga, I just woke up, bro. I've been, I was up since like two, two o'clock last night. So, so was yeah. I, man. Shit. You don't got that, you don't got that entrepreneur brain that let you. I mean, no, you I don't, don't got, got that. cocaine. That's what, that's what I don't got. Keep no, no, you don't, you don't got entrepreneur, that entrepreneur brain that you only need three hours of sleep and like you have one day off and you just sleep all day that day. Hell yeah, nigga. I look like Elon Musk to you, nigga. I got Oh, um, fuck. Uh, news headline: Black man late. Of course. <laughs> hey man, if you're gonna be an hour late, if you're gonna be an hour late, I deserve to be racial for a second. Uh, oh, you uh, be racial all you want. It's not like I can like just reach through the screen and grab you by the throat or something. Like, no, go ahead. Man, you, motherfucker, I'm bigger than you, man. You could, I can say this shit to your face. Dude, dude, I'm 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 like one of those skinny buff niggas. I got muscle, but but every like skinny every every black dude who's skinny got muscle, bro. That's how it is. Genetic, something something with that melanin. I don't know what it is. Melanin, uh, the fried chicken. I don't know, nigga. I'm just I'm just throwing shit out there. You know, you know the, those commercials that came out for that. You know those bags you put up and then you vacuum out the air. That's what every skinny black dude looks like. Like they got vacuum all the fat out. <laughs> Wait, you said commercial for what? The vacuum bags? What vacuum bags? The bags, you know, where you store it, you, you put your clothes in, and then like it's an old commercial, and you put a vacuum onto it, and then you suck all the air out. It makes it like oh, super thin. you talking about that? Oh, I know what you're talking about. Isn't that the? <laughs> you seen you seen that Netflix movie? Uh, what was it a movie? It was a documentary, like. Don't hurt cats or something like that. Oh shit! Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's the that's how that nigga killed the cat. You put him in a vacuum seal. Oh, that's fucked up. That was that was gruesome. I like how that commercial, like during the back when we 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 would watch TV, like ten years ago. That commercial was like one of those that were always on, as seen on TV products. There was like that. It was Ben Ruse. And like the, those DVDs for those uh, plane and like planes, you know, those planes, uh, more lots and lots of trains and planes or whatever the fuck it was called. No, no, you got to describe this a little bit more. I'm, I'm not. Yeah. I don't know. Was, was this not on BET? I'm not, bro. I wasn't a BET nigga, bro. <laughs> you know what? I, I wish I had BT. It's kind of fucked up. It's kind of fucked up. You're like, okay, I got this black guy here. I'm gonna throw in some BT. I'm gonna throw in some uh, some NBA. Like, nigga, I don't watch none of that shit. I'm a I'm, yeah. a, I'm one of those black geeks, nigga. I, you know, I'm a, I'm a I'm a whole cartoon freak. Oh, you you watch I like anime? UFC, I fuck with UFC. Not as much. Not as much as I did uh, when I was younger. But yeah, I was a big anime buff. Mm. The, the where, typical where, shit, Dragon Ball Z and stuff like. that. I got a black question for y'all. Why are why are black dudes so into an, anime? Huh? Is that a thing? Anime is universal, ain't it? No, but mainly like black dudes, like like you know, you hang out when I was in high school. You hang out with the football team or in college, 
And all they will fight about is like like Dragon Ball Z or Naruto. Man, you know what? Come to think of it, my cousin, I have yeah, you know, my cousin and his best friend. They're big anime books. But like, yeah, I don't hmm. I, you know what? I, I don't think that black people are are like the only ones that are so in the anime, rather than we're the ones that are unafraid to express our interest in anime. Because, <laughs> you know, back then, motherfuckers would get beat up for that shit. Be like, now, nah, fuck that, nigga. Let me talk about my Naruto. <laughs> they get into screaming arguments like, man, Naruto ain't got shit on Dragon Ball. I will slap the shit out of you <laughs> if you say that shit again. Yeah. I actually like, I like, like, the first half of Naruto. I don't like the second one. Like, shit, Putin, I didn't care for that. It was too much, too much. Too much like big monster fights and shit. I don't like that. I like when it's like it's supposed to be about ninjas. What the fuck is all this magical shit going on? And all these transformations. I don't like that. Now it's we do gangs like gang signs and there will be like 30 of them. Yeah. Oh yeah, they'd be like blood. Like, nigga, what the fuck is this nigga? This is the fire sign, nigga. I got that what fire. I spent that hot fire. One of the motherfuckers is made out of sand. He just <laughs> you just munching on the fucking camera. That's all I hear. You know, <laughs> Naruto gave me nightmares as a kid, though. Oh, did it? That's why I never got into it. Like, I had some type of... What kind of nightmares would you get from Naruto? Well, because, you know, it, was like, it would always come out at night. And, like, I, I was beginning to get into it when I was, like, a little kid. I think I was, like, six or something. Like, I had some type of nightmare where, like, he hit me in the fucking, like, Naruto hit me in the fucking head, and then, like, juice, brain juice started falling out of my head, and I started getting scared, and I was dying. Oh, and that's it? You woke up? That's where you woke up from? <laughs> oh, yeah, when you're a little, when you're a little kid, like, everything scares you. Now, I have, like, nightmares of the angel of death and everything, like, all my family dying. I just wake up and take that shit on stride. I don't cry no more. Lord, and this is this is this is continuous. You are having these dreams as of oh, now. Yeah. No, like since I was like probably a teenager, like it's always a different family member dying. Already, it's been my dad, my mom, my sister, my grandma. This is like two days ago it was my cousin. I was like, fuck. Oh man, maybe you need to see counseling or something, nigga. I don't know what the fuck. <laughs> well, I hope it's not no a premonition. No, I was like, you say you hope it's not a what? I was like a premonition. Yeah, I hope it's not that final destination shit. I'm gonna get ask my cousin because th- these whenever I dream about this shit, it feels real, and I can remember most of it. So I'm gonna ask my cousin when I see him this uh, this weekend. Hey dude, you ain't yeah. you ain't you ain't kill nobody? No? You you're not you know not feeling guilty? Because well I remember in my dream I asked some redneck that was at the funeral for some reason, uh that, why he died. Like, oh yeah, guilt. Dude, poor poor son of a son of a bitch killed a man. I was like, what the fuck? That's when I woke up. And that like really it fucks me up, man. Man, no, I had I had mm. The dreams I had are very like weird. They're 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 pretty much like they're a product of my lack of like whatever it is I'm lacking 
like the day before. Like I had this one dream, but I didn't I didn't eat the whole entire day. And I had a fucking dream about me chugging down like 300,000 cheeseburgers. And I woke up legit starving like a motherfucker and I went straight to Whataburger after. <laughs> those are the type of dreams I those are the type of dreams I have. Like I like I've like I've really had a dream since I was like a childhood about my parents being murdered and everything like that. I used to I used to be like a huge Godzilla fan. Well I still am. But uh it was it was this old American Godzilla and I used to have a dream about that motherfucker just continuously eating my grandmother and I. Oh man. It was that those dreams were nightmares. Those were nightmares. We'd be in the mall, it'd be like some Jurassic Park shit and everything. It's crazy. Bro, it, 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 like it fucks me up. Like, oh yeah, the heroin. It comes down to dreams. Or, or, or if, if I didn't get no pussy in a long time, I, I started having dreams about me fucking people. <laughs> that fucking one. Uh, th- th- that should be annoying, bro. You always, you always uh, wake up as soon as you're about to fuck. That's what I'm saying. I'm like, oh, try to hit the restroom. Let me drink this one off. Talking about dreaming and fucking. Bill Cosby is out now. Um. <laughs> oh my god, I never segue that good, man. <laughs> that was <laughs> bro, that motherfucker really out. Oh yeah, man. How do you feel about that? <laughs> well, I was confused for a second. I was like, because what the fuck happened? Like, did it come out that all the all that shit was a lie? No, did see it find, what happened. Did it find, I know, I know what you happened. Know what happened. Like, huh. Some like, like back in two thousand five, they tried to, they had a, he had a some type of trial, and in order to get him to confess, they had to make a deal with him saying he can't get locked up for this, uh, and that's how they got settlement money. You could pay, okay, sell this, you pay her, and we write a deal saying you can't get locked up for this. And then they try to use that same one, uh, and in this past one that just came out. And they say like, "Oh, David, you made you made him a promise. You can't lock him up for this. We can't. We got to get him out of jail now." Yeah, it, that's pretty much what happened. But you know, I had this whole conspiracy because you 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 remember like this nigga was not he was not telling anybody anything. He was he was he was straight. He was straight. Uh, confined in his statement like I didn't do anything I'm innocent yada 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 so I just had this whole conspiracy like you could easily couldn't you easily go behind the books and pay someone hey man this is how we're gonna set up your court case we're gonna um tell you to confess and we're not gonna prosecute you wink wink (laughs) and then they prosecute him you know in order for him to get out of jail like I don't know it just to me, that's like a master plan. What, what do you think he's going to do now that he's out? Huh? I don't know. Rot? <laughs> Nigga's like 87 years old with dementia. Nigga's, you think, nigga's doesn't got long to live. I already do this. He was doing stand-up while he was locked up. I didn't know. Uh-uh. I heard he's 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 straight. He's like straight. Um, he's like not bedridden. That's the wrong word I was thinking of. I was going to use, but he's he's pretty much disabled, man. He has people helping him out around the clock. Like Bill Cosby's not all the way there, dude. His daughter passed away a few months ago. He and like I was, 
I read that he has no recollection of that. Like he's still, he, he, his dementia is still out of it. So maybe he's oh so God. far gone, they doesn't even know he raped it. I don't, I, like, this is probably how it goes. I don't know. You, uh, but I, can under, I can understand how some people can be upset, mad. And then there's other niggas that are like, yeah, this motherfucker's innocent. He ain't do anything. 50 women lied, man. It's easy to get 50 women to lie. I can get 50 women to lie if you ask me. Even if it's 50 women, even if it's 50 women. I, 60. I, I, like, 60. I, like, like, he probably raped like 10 or 11 of the motherfuckers. Nah. You can't be that low. <laughs> uh, I'm, no, I'm just saying, if, I'm just saying, like, like, if you got 50 women coming out, I don't, I'm not saying all of them are uh, telling the truth. You know what I'm saying? I'm not saying all of them are lying either, but like, we got 50, 60 women. There's there's some gray areas, there. so I believe like not all of them are coming out with the complete truth. Or I believe, or I don't believe like out of sixty. I believe out of sixty, I don't believe it's uh eleven who are who are telling you. I think it's maybe eleven lying after the sixty, and like like thirty of them are like gray areas. Like you know they can't remember. Much, but he they do remember Bill 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 Cosby was there or something like that. Yeah, that's what he said. Didn't remember. It's fucked up. Uh, <laughs> it's eleven of them, but like they probably don't remember. They probably only got five or six. I don't know. Yeah, no, I like. I'm like I'm not Bill. I'm not there. But like I said, I, I'm just playing the the odds. Like the odds of sixty people coming out. And at the very least, at the very least, one of them has to be telling the truth. So, so he did something somewhere. That's that's just how I feel. It'd be different. It was like the whole Michael Jackson thing. Like, like it was like, like you know, three or four kids came out and they're saying Michael Jackson did something to him. But like that's four. You know, what I'm saying and all of them were like they could have been in on it or whatsoever. No. I think Mike was just a weirdo. Nigga, that nigga changed his nose. But, bro, the way his upbringing was weird. Nigga had a father who was so stern on this whole family. Of course, you're going to be a little bit fucked up. I don't think it'd be fucking kid. I heard this, though, that they had him chemically castrated, like, when he was was a kid, so his voice wouldn't change. That's why his voice was always, like, so high-pitched when he was an adult. They put that nigga in a room full of helium. No, no. I mean, like, basically, they gave him a put him in a gas chamber. <laughs> the room with the balloons, with a bunch of balloons. Oh yeah. Oh, Nick, I get out of here. But when they castration is basically, they give you a bunch of pills and shit that you're, 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 you know, you don't get no testosterone, which basically you need uh, to 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 fucking grow. And that's why his voice didn't change. And maybe he probably never, uh, uh, his brain never matured past that, past the age of 12. So who knows? I don't know. I'm not saying like, I don't, I can't say what happened, but he was a weirdo. And I think that maybe had something to do with it. Hmm. I don't know. I, he, he was a king of pop, bro. Nigga made some incredible music, and everybody's weird. When you're when you're when you're in that limelight, just that fame, man. I feel like it's just you have money like that. 
and you can do whatever you want without anybody actually like getting on your back besides the critics and the audience members like you're gonna come off as weird to people like that time he one time rented a whole grocery store and hired actors to pretend to be regular people while he shopped that's the type of money he had say that again he rented out an entire grocery store because you know he wanted to feel like what it was like to be a regular person so instead of like having like people like the people in there just regular him just going shopping because if he goes in there like and it's just all, like all normal people will just come to him and everything so he just they he rented out the entire grocery store and hired actors to pretend to to, to you know <coughs> to shop around oh, shit. god damn yes yes yeah yeah <laughs> nigga had money yeah we paid people to be regular so you you brought up something interesting about this, you know, pi uh that and I've been meaning to do this for a long time when we were set, trying to set this up that you know the Zoom is too impersonal and I and I want to move it from Zoom, but you know, I need to get like a second microphone um and the and the camera in order to do it in person. And like I'm not living in a, like a spot, so I don't have a spot, you know, in Houston. I live out of town. Well, where you stay at? Your, your parents' place? Nah, I live in a uh, small town here in Brenham, Brenham, Texas. Oh, where is got you got your little own apartment and everything? I nah, see nah, those uh, shoes over there hanging up in the background. This shit is gangster. What the fuck? Yeah, it's uh, it's because I have a I, I'm running a room in the house. I did it while I was going to school here, but I just had to like because you know instead of you know getting a dorm where I had to leave like every five months and pay like three grand. To, to 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 stay there. Like I decided to just pay rent in the small three grand room. A month? Hmm? No, three, three grand, grand. Three grand for five like the five months you're there, but but you don't get to stay. You have to move out like every like at the end of end of the semester. Oh, okay. No, that's not too bad though. Three grand for for um five months. I was like, damn, nigga. That's not bad at all. Wait. But like it's like school rules and everything, and like you know, um, like I said, like if you break it down, like three grand, like five, that's probably like I'm paying four hundred a month now, and I don't have to move, uh, move out and back in, and you know, follow school rules. So you in college right now, huh? Kind of, you know, huh? Kind of. I go like I went to blend this past semester, but I don't know if I'm going back. The f- what were you? What were you majoring in? Architecture. Architecture. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. some ideas. Like, what made you want to do architect? Like, building buildings. Can you? Are you? Can you draw? Can you make like structures on paper and everything? Kind of. Um, I just didn't want to tell my dad I wanted to be a comic. <laughs> Like, so you know you're ruining your life, right? Yeah. Now, what I wanted to do was, um, like, that's why I, that's why I can't have, like, an in-person podcast because I live so far out. But what I'm thinking about doing is, like, because this mic isn't that big. I could just take this one, another one, 
um, another X with the wire and everything. And I have a mixer. Hold on, you went out for a second. Hey, my bad. I was fucking around yeah. with the, the app. All right. Uh, I have this one. I could get another one exactly like it with another cord. I already have a mixer. Only one. It only has one input um, for the microphone. But I bought like a thing to, to split them, so we could put two mics into into one. And and I get a camera. So what I'm thinking about doing, like when I start doing it in person, I'll like take it with me, start traveling and going to like people instead of you know making them drive all the way to where I'm at. Oh well, yeah, that that, that that doesn't sound tedious at all. But like, and it's weird because. Um, like I watched like you watch Joe Rogan's podcast. There's people like who fly all the way from New York just to show up on on his shit. Yeah, that motherfucking Joe Rogan. I mean, I know. Nigga has clout. I would fly over. I would. Well, he's in Austin, right? Yeah, I would drive over there just to fucking if I can be on his nigga podcast. But honestly, though, outside of Joe Rogan, like. Have you heard Dave Chappelle's podcast, Midnight Miracle? That is a beautiful, beautiful podcast. Like from beginning to end, is it's just a dope list. I haven't heard of it yet. I don't even know where to find it. Well, you can find the first uh, episode on YouTube. Is Midnight Miracle? How to inspire? That's the first episode, and that give that would give you an idea on how he structures his podcast. And it's him, most deaf, uh, Talib Quell, and they have other guests, but majority is, is those three musketeers. And the motherfuckers are just so insightful, funny, and just an overall good time to listen to. Like, it's, a, it's an amazing podcast, man. It's, it's my favorite, actually. Yeah, I'll like, check it out as soon as I can because I'll check it out as soon as I can because um I really want I want to. No, but the thing is my my this shit ain't big enough yet. So I'm thinking I could drive down Am I your first comic? No, fucks no. Yo, who else you had on here? Well I had um I had Joe the pet uh on, on the last episode. Joe I've already Escobar? had yeah, and I also had Enrique. On a couple oh, episodes, that's my a, nigga. Yeah, I, and I had a bunch of like people who already been like on TV and had specials and all that. Dwayne Perkins, uh, Pete Johansson, like a lot okay. of. That's good. That's good. That's what's up. I don't even know. Wait, yeah, I'm not familiar. I'm terrible with names. Like if they're not black, I'm, I low key don't know who the fuck. They are. Dwayne Perkins <laughs> is black. Where? Okay. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, they're not like in the Chappelle, Bill Burr, not... Kevin Hart category. I really don't know. Yeah. Actually, not... Dwayne Perkins came up with uh, Bill Burr in the Boston scene that that like went over to, to New York. Like he came up in like that around that time. He's a little younger, mm. but he was like the young cat hanging around with uh, Bill Burr and Patrice O'Neal. Oh, man. For real. How's it? How's he? I never see. I gotta check out his comedy. I don't even know who this guy is. Well, he's, he's like, man. he's like, um, he's not your typical black uh, comic. Uh, 
What does that he's, mean? He's, he's like a no, he's like very. He's cl- he's like clean and very. Um, how do I say? You gotta check him out. Just just check him out. But he's like uh, he's like a re- clean dude. But he's he's really funny. He has like a sp- an hour special. It was on Netflix. It's now on Amazon Prime. It's called Take Note. It's not on Netflix right now though. Not anymore. It was, but it's on Amazon Prime now. Yeah, I wonder, man. Okay, yeah. And how old is he? Like forty something, forty five, I think. Okay, yeah, all right, yeah, he, yeah, quite young in comparison to Bill and Dave. Well, yeah, they no, no. I think around the same age as Dave. Hold on, let me check. I think he's like four early forties. Forty. Dave is like. 46. It's kind of, it, it, I sound like a stalker that I know this nigga's age by heart. Well, yeah, you Google him. Just to find out. Sometimes you Google people just to find oh, out how much. Yeah, that nigga's 55, nigga. I know, I know. Nah, they, they, yeah, I'm Googling to see how much time he has because once he starts hitting 60, uh, you know, you might want to keep an eye on him. Oh, for real. Dwayne Perkins. You can Google him because he has his own Wikipedia. That's how. So he's that. Oh, he's fifty. Shit. Oh, dude, you was way off, nigga. I was way off. No, he's about the same age as uh, about the same age as Bill. Mm -hmm. Bill's like fifty-one, fifty-two, or something like that, right? Yeah. So he said, like, he basically started like he was a Dwayne started like he was a host, and you know, that's how. Like not not even for comedy, like for like events, variety shows at his school, and then then he's that's how he started doing stand up. From what he told um, me. Okay. Yeah. And he Make, huh? Go ahead. No, I was like I was gonna uh, ask like is, is what made you want to do stand like what made you want to start doing stand up. I feel, like, um, I feel like I'm the interviewer now, Zod. I'm asking you questions. You still can't remember my fucking name, man. Shit. Um, it's Z-A. Yes, It's Z-A, yes. but that's, that's too much. I'm just going to be like, Zod. <laughs> you motherfucker. I put two periods on it so, so you can, to be easier to understand, you still can't time, get it right. You already fucked up my I introduction. Did, I, I, didn't see the, I didn't see the dots the first time. I was I was on the shrooms. I was high. No one, I, I let that slide for like a couple times, and then I was like, you motherfucker, you can't get my fucking intro right. They <laughs> think they're coming here to see some motherfucker named Za? Hell yeah. If I, if I heard a nigga named Za, I was like, hold up. This motherfucker might be neat. Kind of, yeah. Then Z-A, I'm like, oh, look at this. He's trying to rap and do comedy. <laughs> Bro, you get... Z-A, y'all. The best MC in Houston. Motherfucker. MCCA. <laughs> uh, gave me some fucking wizard name. Za. Za. The protector of the. Uh... I don't know how to fuck. I don't know how to some magic spells Some Lord of the Rings shit, but um, basically, I've been wanting to do stand up since I was um, probably. 12 13 because what oh, i would do is like you know those hbo specials you know you hear the the the, the thing starts and goes that static 
for the HBO specials. What about it? I would like always see that. Then it'll be like Cat Williams or something. I was like, and I would never watch the full thing. I was like, oh, some that just flashed through the TV. I was like, all right. But then like around when I was turning like around 12 or 13, I started watching people like uh, D.L. Hughley, uh, George Lopez, uh, Bernie Mac, and all that. And I was like, then I started like really going into like some type of rabbit hole where I would just watch, you know, then it was Cat Williams and it was Paul Rodriguez, like Dave Chappelle's old stuff. And, and I was like, then I, that's when I really went, went deep into it. And that's just, I, I always wanted to do it from that age. I didn't really, and I always like, never found a way to, to, to never got into it until I turned 19 because, but, but I've always wanted to do stand up because I've been watching it my whole life almost. You know what's funny? Like, I grew up watching Eddie Murphy, uh, Bernie Mac, DL. <clears throat> I never knew they were comedians until later. I thought these were just some funny ass actors. But I didn't realize they started their career while doing stand-up. Like that, that right there is just such like an enlightening moment for me when I once I figured it out. I was like, oh shit. Pretty much anybody can like start from the bottom. Just you just gotta be funny and have like, you know, be proactive in your comedic career. Yeah. And it was like it's always scary to to like when you first start doing it because like here's something that like you see all these people do, you go into, you go into this, you've been watching this your whole life then, And you always wanted to do it, but you never like always like you're either too, always too scared or you can never, you're always too like you, you know, you never find the right time, which, which is like what mindset most people have. And like, I never realized this until I really started. I was like at third floor at a, at third floor for uh, on the Tuesday nights. I was there one time, the opening, like to start the show, like a bunch of comedians go up and they're up there and riff the people who are performing. And I did good that time. Now on third floor, I always do good for some reason, uh, up in Bryan and college station. And like, once I got off, you know, I, I had like a good riff. I made people laugh. I thought it like it fucking killed. And there was like, I'm still 19. This was uh, like, before my birthday, I'm still 19. This was a few months ago. And some old dude at the bars was asking me questions about like, so how do you like, you know, he's trying to figure out how to like how to do it. Like you're asking me like, so what do you have to like think when you go up there or like, you know, and like I asked like, he asked me how I'm 19. Like I asked him how old, how old he was. He's like 26. So and I, like, I never understood, like, how annoying people are when they say, I, like, I always wanted to do stand-up. Like, you, just do it. Nobody wants to do stand-up. They just do it. I wanted to, like, that wanting to do stand-up, that's kid shit. Like, you just go up there and do it. Oh, yeah, it's a start, man. Yo, when I first started doing stand-up, it wasn't even, like, an open mic. It was more of a workshop. So I was doing my set in front of other comedians. So, and like, they critiqued my set so harshly. You know what? It wasn't even harsh. It wasn't even harsh critiques. 
it was more of me being a little bitch and I just didn't have the emotional maturity around that point to take appropriate criticism. So <laughs> I didn't end up, I didn't end up doing stand up until like a year later because <laughs> of that one moment, bro. But I've been doing it for two years since like that year that I, you know, fucked up. So yeah, it's been, I've been loving it ever since, man. I know this is something I want to do for the rest of my life. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, I'm actually at the moment, like I took, I took a, uh, I took a week off this week from stand up because I spent my whole two years of comedy pretty much perfecting my stage presence, making sure uh, I can pause correctly, making sure my enunciations, my, uh, just my speech and just overall my feeling on stage is, is comfortable. And I, put, I feel like I got that down, but my whole issue with comedy, my, my, my rough area, the, the, the part where I stumble over the most is pretty much sitting down and writing material. Like that is so hard for me, man. It's not even hard, it's just I'm such a, I have ADHD, so I like to move around and everything. I like to, you know, my mind jumps from one place to another. So to actually sit down and force myself to write is such a pain in the ass. Well, the thing about me, I don't sit down to write. I just like, whenever some like funny thought comes to me, I put it down on my phone. Now I never take my phone up on stage to 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 like write, read jokes. I, I don't like doing that. I, I I just like put the phone on the bit on the on the stool and like have record, press record, you know, so I can have the audio for later. Yeah. Um. So what I do is like I write down all my jokes. Like the the day I have like a open mic, I I read through them. I just read through them. And then I go up and hit and head to the place. You know, I don't listen to comedy because every time I listen to like I'm in the car listening to an album like by Joey Diaz or Jim Norton, it will fuck me up because I will try to it will fuck imitate me up because I. Style. No, not like imitate and like I'll have their jokes and their act in my head instead of my own, and that will fuck no, me up. So I can't. Yeah, yeah. I know. Exactly so I can't. I can't listen to no other comics uh, when I'm about to go on stage. That's why when you see me at at Liberty Station, I always have football highlights on because when I put football highlights on my phone and watch the videos, I'm not watching the highlights. Like my eyes are on the screen, but in my head, that like I'm getting the wheel. Like my jokes are coming to me. And what I like to do is when I get there, after I like, you know, I read all the jokes I have down on my phone, I put my phone away. I get like a little note card or a tiny piece of paper and a pen. And I write down everything that comes up, like everything I can memorize that's in my head already. So I write that down. I write that down. I write that down. Now, when I go up on stage now, recently, like I took like a month hiatus. So I needed to take the note card. up. I think that was the last time like I saw you. But I just started. Like after like two or three, like three shows, I put the note card up and I started like, and I got back on track. So I don't even look at the note card after I write them down. I like, all right, I know what I'm about and I don't have no script. I don't have no like fucking script that I go by because that will fuck me up too. Uh, Like I'll just have like, all right, these jokes are in my head. I'm going to go ahead. Like I'm going to like read the crowd and then I like get into my shit. Like if if you see my, if you see my standup, bro. Like about only two my like two jokes I tell are, are are like stuff that I had planned, and the rest just comes 
to my head. Like sometimes I tell a joke that I didn't even jot down on on the little piece of paper. Uh, and sometimes like only two of those two two jokes. That's that's probably all that was scripted. And it was it wasn't even like good timing. It's like like I because I, the perfect time is like when they're not expecting it or when when it, when it feels right. No, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, because it's it's you can feel it. It's a feeling, bro. You can if you you can kind of feel the room, feel how everybody's vibe is, and there's been times for me where I felt that, like you know, what I'm saying you kind of know, okay, the vibe in here is kind of a little bit off, or like everybody's all hyped, or everybody's everybody is this certain way, but there's times where like I ignore that feeling out of just selfishness like dude i don't like like there's times where you know you sometimes you have to do crowd work in order to get oh, yeah. the uh you know just to, just to, just to, just to make sure that like the crowd is comfortable and like it's, it's pretty much a proper way of introducing yourself when you do crowd work okay this guy's talking to us he's not just here doing his set for himself but i was talking to uh will and another comic about this yesterday there's times where i there's times where I show up to Mike and I don't give a fuck about talking to anybody. And all I want to do is go on stage and do my fucking, uh, some new shit that I've been trying out or do my set and just go home. But like, you can't have that attitude. Every, every moment you're on that stage has to be a moment. I realize like when I go, like the times that I go on stage just to have fun, I usually have a terrific set. Even for better or for worse, even when I bomb, it's still a good bomb. Like everybody's still having fun when I bomb. But usually when I go on stage and like I like I have this idea, I have this, I have this plan that and I wanted to go like this, 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 it typically doesn't really work out in my favor. Cause I'm cause I'm I'm ignoring everybody's vibe and projecting my vibe onto them without actually flowing with it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I get you. Um I love crowd work though, because one thing I realized when I started doing comedy, whenever I do good is when I try to stick to a. Whenever I do bad, like whenever my shit doesn't work, is when I try to stick to a script. That's why I taught. I, I say I don't like doing that. Whenever it goes good is when like it's unexpected, like stuff that comes like organically, like from like off the dome, and that's why I love crowd work because I realize. I don't fucking like the audience, man. I fucking hate <laughs> Fuck you, man. Like, that's the attitude I have because, look, doing comedy in Houston is tough because, and Joe told me last episode, like, that these people didn't come to laugh. They came to, to have a drink after a long day of work. And if they, and if, and they're trying to see, like, oh, there's a show going on, you know. So you're trying to make motherfuckers laugh who don't want to laugh. And one thing when, like, the crowd looks at me. I was like, what makes me well, like what really makes me mad and makes me go fuck you to the crowd is like, you mother, you you guys are looking at me like I'm supposed to be afraid of you. Like Patrice O'Neill, who who I think was the funniest man to ever live, man. He said, when you're bombing, the worst thing you could do is not not bomb. Because it because power corrupts. And the minute like you feel like you're doing and the minute uh, they see you doing like climbing, gasping for air, or trying to survive, the the crowd audience automatically feels I got my foot on his neck, and I'm uh, I got my foot on his neck, and I'm not about to let him go. 
So that's why that's why the audience fucking enrages me. Like, like fuck you, motherfucker. Like that, that's why I start talking shit. And <laughs> Joe tells you, you can't do that, man. You can't do. It. You need the audience to make it. Yeah, yeah. You gotta find. Yeah, I've been trying to um, cause like like you said, like I I have so much admiration for Patrice O'Neill. Wasn't really like my go-to comedian. But when it, as far as his approach to comedy, I have a tremendous amount of admiration for the guy. Just his fearlessness, you know, the fact that he was on stage and he didn't give a fuck. He was like, dude, I want to say what I want to say. I want to I want to I want to do it the way I want to do it. I have so much respect for that. And that's kind of how that's the approach I feel everybody should take with their comedy. man. Like, be fearless. Say what you want to say, even if it might bomb man. just attempt it. bro. the attempt is 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 the special part if you don't attempt to try something new then you're just selling yourself short but yeah i think he's like probably the greatest like uh, all-around comedian to ever live and because it's not just a stand-up and like i, I fuck you this. diabetes <laughs> <laughs> fuck that should kill half my family and it, and it took patrice god damn and like Man, may you rest in peace. The thing about him was, um, fuck, I forgot what I was gonna say. Shit. Oh, like you? Did you ever like listen to like the only person funnier than Patrice, the stand-up, the stand-up comic, was Patrice, the radio guy, because then you hear him be funny all the fucking time he's talking. Dude, that's how I got into him, actually. Like I, like I said, I wasn't really, I didn't really gravitate too much to his stand-up routines. But when it came to his interviews, like the Opie and Anthony, like, dude, that shit had, I just love, bro, he did his one interview on some news channel. He was talking to this woman about, uh, <laughs> you know, I know you know what I'm talking about. Fuck yeah. <laughs> and he straight, oh my God, he straight went in on this chick, man. Made it like it was just so hilarious. Oh man! But Richard, bro, bro, I... Patrice once said that when you're having uh, sex with a woman from behind, doggy style, and you uh, punch her in the back of the head, that her body basically paralyzes. Uh, and Patrice goes, "It's called the donkey punch. You're doing my act wrong." <laughs> <laughs> Uh, then the lady tries to keep going. She says, "When you're, Patrice uh, also said, when when you're when, uh, when you're receiving oral sex from a, from from your partner, that you ejaculate her in her eye and you kick her in the shin. Uh, it's called the angry pirate. You j- ejaculate in her eye, you kick her in the shin, and she and she jumps around going, Arr, you're doing my act wrong.' And then someone laughed like, "Why are you laughing? She is outraged, <laughs> <laughs> bro." Shit like that, bro. That makes that makes like that make like shit like that makes him the greatest, man. In my opinion, man, for real. And I, what's tragic, because I feel in especially in these in this uh, cancel culture that we're living in, how everybody's so sensitive, and social media, how 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 outlanders social media is getting. Bro, we need someone like Patrice O'Neill more than ever. Like this nigga would straight have a blast in this time. Just imagine just the shit he'll be talking about, bro. When it comes, oh my god! Like I can only imagine. 
Like I wish I wish he was alive to this day. Oh my this god, he see, missed this it. See how, this is see how we just tra- traverse through this weird social climate that we're living in. Like how y'all feel about the uh Ashi? I, I I don't know what like, but I was like he missed out on so much. I would love to see Patrice O'Neill during the, the Trump administration. During oh my dude, doing Trump. I don't think he wasn't allowed doing Trump. Period. Was no, he? Fuck, yeah, he died in yeah. 2011. Yeah, yes, and yeah, fuck yeah. Oh, dude, the Obama. I don't, I don't even think he was allowed doing Obama. No, he was allowed during Obama to the, the first, but, but when he yeah, won, yeah, yeah, re- yeah. he wasn't alive when he won re-election, and that shit would have yeah. been hilarious. Fuck yeah. Yeah, this nigga was, oh, man, yeah, that, yeah. Oh, man, I would love to see him do Trump, bro. That shit was, just, oh, that would just, God, man, rest man. in peace to a legend, bro. Rest in peace to a legend. May rest in peace. Oh, man, like, man I, I've been I'll watching, start... uh, huh? Go ahead. I was, I was, I was watching, um, I never really been, been a big, uh, Richard Pryor fan, but as of recently, I've been watching, like, he had, like, this Netflix special live in concert and like you know you hear people talk about Richard Pryor oh he's the greatest he's this and that but I never actually seen his set for myself to actually like get a good enough opinion for for me but dude I was watching his live in concert and man even to this day that shit had me wrote like Richard like I can like just watching it I just understood like why Richard Pryor was so fucking funny just the voices this dude just <laughs> like he was so real I went time got a gun and shot my tires and it would scream. <laughs> <laughs> you ever oh, notice how white people are so friendly when there's a bunch of is around? <laughs> <laughs> like, hey, how are you? <laughs> I censored that by the way. Ball, you heard me bro. self-censored. Now just just when you say it, put your put put like your finger out, and I'll just say nigga in your place. Like, yeah, you ever know- nigga. Yeah. Like you ever notice how white people? You ever notice how white men get kind of nervous when there's a bunch of niggas around? Like hi, how are you? Take my wife. Like here, hi, hello. Here's my wife. Hi, hello. Here's my wife. There you go. There you go. Get out. Right, that shit would have been funny if this was if this was in person. <laughs> For real, the timing, the timing. Right. That's a that's a long pause. Like. Hi, like, you ever notice how white people get, get so nice when there's a bunch of, wait, what's going on? It's taking too long. Right. Like, speaking, like, you think it's like, have you ever done stand-up in, like, another city other than Houston? Actually, that's, that's uh, one of my, that's, I want to do that. I'm trying to go to Austin sometime next week. So that's one of my, uh, trying to get that off my bucket list because my whole idea of stand-up in this country is based off the standard of Houston so I have no like you know what I'm saying I have no understanding of how stand-up is elsewhere so I look at Houston I'm like okay this is how stand-up is supposed to be but man I, I, I feel like it, it, it'll be healthy for me to go to different places like I'm going to Austin next week just to, just to get a feel of how it is for myself because I hear a whole bunch of things I hear People saying that Austin comics are like terrible, unfunny, or it's easy down there. But like, you know what I'm saying? I don't I don't know for myself. So I'm gonna go see that. You know what I think it. you know what I think it is? There's no uh 
comedy store or comedy cellar in Houston. It's just a bunch of bars with open mic nights. And like I said, we try to make people laugh who didn't come there to laugh. So that's why, like, it's harder. Like, if you can kill in the open mic in Houston, I think it, you should you should be, like, very skilled. Like, because I can't speak for New York or L.A. or Austin, but I think when I go to – every time I go, like, at, to College Station in Bryan, like, and reason I do so good is because I'm callous from doing all this Houston shit where I bomb and bomb and bomb. But when I go up there – I do good because it's just a it's it's a different scene. It's like mother like, and I think that's why like every like I say every time I go up there I do fairly well. Yo, yeah, and um, a bunch of comics have told me uh, professionals who you know they go out of town and everything. They literally said that Houston is probably the most perfect place for a comic to start off his comedic career since it's in hindsight is just a it's just a harsh place to do comedy which i thought was weird i was like houston it doesn't seem that bad but yeah you know motherfuckers from austin will come over here to do stand-up and they and none of their jokes would land none of they you know what i'm saying they were a pilot that shit was straight go down because their shit was just yeah it, yeah so houston houston is a good place to do comedy but just like you said, all we have are bars. We don't have we don't have no fundamental. Well, outside from the improv, but the improv is not really like no open mics at improv. They don't count. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's a, it's basically a theater. It improv. used to be both, well, but there used to be open mics at improv. They stopped. They got to bring that shit back though, man. That shit is we like we need it for real because we can't. That's why the scene isn't as big, man. Everyone wants to go to L.A., New York, and now Austin. When, when Houston, like, we got like the fun. We got some of the funniest people in the country, and they and and they and it doesn't feel like that because you know, like I said, the the the, the scene is tough to make it in. But we yeah, can, there's like, no yeah, there's no there's no there's no Hollywood here. There's no fucking you know, there's no Apollo. There's no Radio City here in Houston. You know what I mean? No SNL like. All you have are are small little clubs that other comics have made here and bars. There is nothing, there is no platform here in Houston. That's the whole idea. What you should do is, man, is like to check out the scene somewhere else. Uh, go to the, um, come right here to like Brian and College Station, third floor cantina. Like every Tuesday night, uh, they have an open mic. The list goes out at eight. The show starts at nine. And like, I've been just, there. I've been, I've, you, I've been to the cantina. Uh, oh, I, I yeah, like I've been there twice and I fucking killed like all two times. You killed, like, right? It's, yeah, it's, it's a nice room. It's just a drive. Like it's a whole hour drive. I just been lazy and yeah. going there. I have to time. look, I'm out of town. I still have to drive like 50 minutes to get there over some like two one way street or like not two way street. And like I've, I got to risk not hitting a car head on. It's 1 a.m. sometimes when I come back. Mm. Then that drive is dark as hell. You your eyesight is bad, like mine. Nigga. You oh, you a goner. Shit, but like, and I need this. I need sometimes. I feel like I need the shit slapped out of me because uh, I'm getting some. T- that's why I love coming to Houston because it really humbles you. Uh, being being as tough as it is, because sometimes I see, I'm watching SNL and think, I could be the funniest motherfucker on that thing, and like that. Uh, 
half of me that's me like being confident half of it is like me like snl isn't what it used to be it's not like how it was when chris farley or uh or uh will ferrell will ferrell was there but like i need to i need i need to keep that humble like i don't want to think that way but i kind of need to think that way a little bit if i want to make it <laughs> well wait what do you mean exactly when to elaborate like like on on snl or or feeling arrogant. Uh, by um yeah, yeah, you like that. The mentality of it all is what I'm trying to get. Um, you got to put yourself. You you don't, don't want to think like think like what like like cocky, arrogant. Like what is? Well, I don't want to be. I don't want to be cocky and arrogant for sure, but I also don't want to be so like have such low self esteem or be so insecure about myself that you know, I need some of that. Man, I could be the funniest motherfucker on SNL if I if I if I get on there. I need some of that. I don't need all of it because then I'll I'll just be some some asshole. But I need some of that to say to 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 you know to to like you know do my stand up right because you know like I said I'm mad at, like every time I go on stage I'm mad at the audience and I'm because they, they want me to be afraid of them but in reality they can't do what I'm doing right now. That's why it's a free open mic and you don't come up on stage. Mm. That's fucked. Yeah, I mean, it's it's tough, man. I know for me, I'm trying. I'm trying to. Not, some of my material is a bit personal, and I'm trying to not make it as personal. <laughs> that's that's low key my job, or yeah, my my thing right now. That and I'm going back to the basics of uh, rules of three. You familiar with that? Nah, tell me. What? Well, basically. Uh, um, when you look at oh, pretty much, not everything, but mostly uh, you can find things falling into the category of the rule of three. Like example, you got the three musketeers. Uh, when it comes to like poetry, you notice that, that people set up their poetry in like in three verses. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So yeah, when it comes to comedy, you want to have you want to have premise, setup, and punchline. Those are three right there. The rules are three, and you want to. You pretty much don't want to drag on your premise, which is what I do. I drag on my premise to where it's like premise, 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 setup, punchline, and yeah, and it it doesn't it doesn't have the rhythm. You you need to have rhythm in your comedy. I'm pretty sure you you've seen that YouTube video of this dude. He's like playing the drums to certain comedic comedians. Have you seen? Yeah, and it, and mm. it, and they pretty much follow you follow that whole rhythmic rule of three format. If you if you listen to uh, any comedian, actually any of the professionals, you'll notice though their jokes are very short, and they get to the point very quickly. And it's more of like boom, boom, bam, boom, boom, bam. And that's what that's what I'm trying to get at. So I'm I'm going back to my old material, and I'm kind of reworking it in a way to where it doesn't drag on too much and I can hurry up and get to that punchline as quickly as possible. When you um should I say this when you work on your material, does, does it feel you ever have like some some joke that the, that it feels like it's not your material? Like you're trying too hard to be something some something else or someone else? Nope. Uh uh-uh, uh never felt like that before. 
<laughs> That's why I, I, I try to make an effort to actually sound like my whole thing is is just, is just art, articulating myself into making it funny. But I always try to. I don't. I, that's one of the reasons I don't. I don't like taking advice from other comics because they don't. They don't really under, unless I truly know you and you know me. Like when I take critiques or advice from other comics about my material, I don't like it because they typically give me advice in a way that they see the joke or they write the joke. I'm like, dude, I don't talk like you. I don't sound like you. I don't think like you. So like your whole. Uh, just your 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 advice doesn't really help me out, man. It just yeah, it's not yeah, it's not good for me. You, if you see me like at a, you see me at open mics, I'm always quiet. I always try to be reserved and like keep to myself. But in reality, every time someone bombs, I was like, I really want to go up to them. Hey, man, you know you fucking suck right now, right? <laughs> but but it's cool. It's the most hilarious shit ever. I laugh every time. When I bomb, it's, I, I can't help but laugh. It's so fucking funny because you, <laughs> you just get it. Like, oh, well, well better luck next time, part. And, like, I want to be sometimes an asshole when, when, I, when I'm at an open mic. Like, when there's a joke that I find funny but no one laughs, I wish I had that asshole laugh in me, like that loud-ass laugh when, when everybody's, you know, when everybody's trying... <laughs> Like not laughing, and then like the punch, like I was like just screaming. <laughs> I've done that before, and like it's hilarious because like I was at Darwin's pub. There was like some dude up there, and he did uh he did an abortion joke, and like everyone at the bar went oh, and I just lost my shit, bro. <laughs> and then like the joke, all of a sudden it became funnier. <laughs> you lost wait, wait, so you did a set. And you lost your shit, and you just no, like, no, no, no. Someone else, like when someone else is doing their set, yeah, and like, and a joke doesn't work, or like this time at Darwin's pub, someone told like an abortion, like a, a joke, and like some some edgy joke, and like the like the bar and everyone behind went ah, and like I just like lost my shit in laughter. <laughs> Those be the worst, man. Now, I hate jokes that I hate jokes that get like those type of uh, reactions. Oh, oh, I'm like, nigga, I'm not. I'm trying to make you laugh, not feel sorry for me. Like, shit. <laughs> what can I That's possibly? What... Do? Oh man. But moments like those, I love. I love like what I like. Honestly, is when I bomb in the beginning and I kind of bring them back later on. That's a good feeling. That's a really good feeling when you're like, okay, this is going south. But then you kind of find a way to bring it back towards the end. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's that's like once I'm when I was still figuring that out, and this goes back to like when I asked you, like, does some of your material feel like it's not your material? It's like when I like my first stand-up set, I tried to do impressions. And like I didn't know how much I didn't sound like like the people until I said it <laughs> said it out loud. <laughs> Like this is David Spade. No, nigga, this is not David Spade at all. Who the fuck are you talking? Um, <laughs> but like I try to like, cause when you whisper shit to yourself, like when you whisper it, it like uh, you think you sound like the motherfucker. Like, like I try to like do that dude from who sings on ACDC, and like I was like when I when I'm in the car whispering, 
whispering to myself, she was a fast machine. You know, like, and then like, I was like, oh yeah, that sounds pretty good. Then like, I went like the first time I ever did stand up, I went to Rudd Yards. That's where I first started out. I think it was past this past December. My first show ever, I tried to sing. And like, I was like, what the fuck? My mouth is getting dry. My mouth is getting dry. I can't fucking hit. <laughs> I don't sound like the motherfucker at all. <laughs> God uh, yeah, it, it, it's different when you're rehearsing and then you're on stage because you lose your, you can't lose your cool, man. You got you got to keep your cool. Just yeah. And I like how the first time I ever did stand up, like people were supportive, <laughs> and like I never felt that support ever again. Like I remember. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The first time you do stand up, oh yeah, no, get them next time. Then like you're three months. Oh, in, no, no, eight no, months no, no. You need to get better. <laughs> but like. It was my first time on stage. It was like, you know, uh, it was my first time on stage. Yeah. And like, I, I get quiet for a second. I was like, do you, bro? I'm like, I was like, wow, these people are really nice. Like next time I do stand up. Uh, <laughs> like you're whispering like, uh, what is this? No. no. <laughs> and that's why, that's when I started to fucking hate the audience. Like, man, gosh. yeah, you can't, you can't, you can't hate the audience though. You can't. I've seen comics. I know. I've seen comics firsthand just attack the audience, and like, it's never, it's never a good ending. There's been, there's yeah, been was... hilarious moments. Like, like I don't know if you're familiar with Antonio Aguilar. I think I heard of him. Yeah. Yeah, well, he's a he's a funny dude, but at Rudyard, no, this is not at Rudyard. This was at Darwin, dude. <laughs> it was this, it was this family, and one of their family members was having a birthday, and you know they were enjoying the whole show until Antonio came up, <laughs> and this nigga legit. Shit it. This nigga took a huge dump on the person's birthday. Like to the point that he he walked out the whole family. And like each like each like each individual from that from the group was like flicking them off. Bro, they spat on the stage. <sighs> Fuck you. He just walked off. <laughs> Bro, it was it was hilarious, man. And then like, and then like the person whose birthday it was. I think he was like retarded. So he came back inside and tried to fucking fight Antonio Aguilar <laughs> on stage. <laughs> bro, and his whole family was like, bro, like, and, and, and like, I think his brother came up and was like, hey, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, my brother had a fight with you guys. He's a little bit retarded. You know what I'm saying? It's his birthday today. And everybody was like, damn. <laughs> but it, was, it was hilarious. It was, bro, it was. Probably the funnest night I've I've had at Darwin in, in a minute. Oh, like, shit. The, the thing is... about it, the, the the funniest moments to me at least is when like the audience members react like harshly. Like I've <laughs> like those are the moments where I crack the fuck up because it's the unexpected. You always laugh at the unexpected. So when shit like that pops off, dude, I am in tears. I can't. Oh man, those those are the highlights of comedy. Those those are the moments that keep me going. When, when bad shit happens. <laughs> yeah. But that shit was made, like what makes me scared is like I like these stories like 
oh we did a we did a stand up like at this at this club we did we were we had a show at this club we were booked at and all the people there were dancing they, they didn't want it but they didn't want to see a show but they cut the music off anyway then they started to riot while we were trying to do our stand up and then we we had to run for our lives while they were throwing chasing us, us with knives or whatever the fuck what? so it was like that so it's like that. I think that's like I think Bill Hicks. That's like some Bill Hicks told, like a story. Like you know, uh, they shut down like some type of disco or something, and then they started to riot. They threw balls at them, ch- chased them with knives. They had to like they they nearly almost died. And uh, it's stories like that that scares me, man. Like I was like, I you know like doing stand up. I'm probably gonna have like an encounter or two like this. I'm, I'm probably gonna get kicked in the mouth one time. I talk a lot of shit. I like doing crowd work. I can't be funny no other way. Like, goddamn. Oh, I just noticed. I'm digging that Tupac shirt you got on. That Appreciate shit is it, dope. Yep. That's work. And like, yo, you got who hangs up their shoes on their fucking door? I never seen that shit before in my life. Uh, people who have like a tiny room that they can't fit shit in. <laughs> I never like, yeah, just, yeah, just hang out my shoes, put them on the wall. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> Here's a story. I fuck with this one dude. Uh, he uh, at third floor this past Tuesday. Um, this dude had an eye patch. Now he was one of the comics who went up. He went like two guys before me, but I noticed he had an eye patch, and on top of the eye patch, he had a pair of regular glasses, and that like. Dude was, and dude had a like some type of Hawaiian shirt, and like and some uh, some like, it, he just looked funny like a sailor's cap I think, and like he just looked funny. He went up like did his shit, came down. I think he was some type of he's he was popular. He he's popular in that area, because like a lot of people cheered when he like a lot of girls cheered. Like other than the iPads, dude's a handsome dude. Got like curly blonde hair, like looks a little swole. And like a bunch of girls cheer when as soon as his name got called, but like as soon as I went up on on stage, I was like, you know, like got it, got a joke or two done. And it was like, and then I looked at him and like, come on, man, is that shit real? Is that shit real? Like, and then he's like, I ain't trying to be an ass. I'm not the one on stage trying to be an asshole. Like, I think the asshole is whoever gave you your glasses. That's the asshole, <laughs> bro. And like. And like I like every time I do this, every time I, I fuck with someone in the crowd, I always shake hands. I was like, dude, appreciate you being here. And like, and he was pretty cool. And he was like, you know, we we oh, fist yeah, bump, yeah. like good set. And like, except for this past week, like when I'm on stage talking shit to someone, every time every time my set's over, I always go and give him a hug. Just just to let them know no hard feelings, bro. It's all just it's all part of the show. Just trying to just trying to make people laugh. No big deal. And to bring this podcast full circle, uh I made this black lady angry this past time that that I was at Liberty Station. <laughs> Ooh, give me the details. Oh yeah, you missed it because I, I know it's ah oh, shit, Marl's not here, and I think it was uh Joe Joe Esquivel hosting the whole show by himself. And Hold up, like, wait, wait, wait. Were you there when that nigga fell on stage? I think this was last week at Liberty when Joe was drunk as fuck and you fell on stage. Were you there when that happened? Was this? Le- this past Sunday? Did I miss Not it? Because I lit Sunday before last Sunday. Nah, nah, I wasn't there. Probably not. Wait, was uh, I? Man. If I was, if I was, I probably left early. Because you know I like to do my shit and leave. Yeah. But like, 
like you know how I was fucking with you racially. There was this um, there was this what? <laughs> <laughs> like there was this uh, there was this couple. Now I think the 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 man was a comic, so so swole black dude. You know he had like uh, he, I I heard him talk to Joe like, hey man, I'm a comic. I was wondering like if I could do my shit up up, up on stage, and he came with like. A uh, woman. I think they were like in. They must have been like in their late thirties or forties, the late thirties, early forties, probably that. And like you know, she was like you know, was well. She was like you know, had not well dressed, but like you know, dressed well, like in street clothes, and like you know, the ladies, black woman's head is shaved. You know, she has. She's one of them short hair women. I go up on stage. I fuck with I fuck with Enrique. Enrique, I like I like to do. It. I fuck with the host. Uh, give it up for your host. Uh, no, not Enrique. Joe. I give it up for Joe, man. I like how Joe dressed. He dresses like a five year old. <laughs> so I did that shit. Like now y'all doing and two like white dude, like a white dude and the Venezuelan dude. As soon as I got up, Pete, these two guys came and sit in the front, sat on the front row. I was like, hey, what's up? And they were there to laugh. And they, I like I like those two. They were good natured. And the black lady was sitting in the in the couch right next to the stage you know what i'm talking about and the dude got up and left uh like right before i went on and i was gonna like hmm, dude left uh i was gonna ask him hey miss i have a black question for you <laughs> why don't black you, like women... go on <laughs> no well i know like well first i asked her um uh you're black right i take a guess <laughs> Uh, because and I was like, you're you're black, like, and I went to the white guy and like, I called him. Uh, this shit is vibrating. Hold up, bro! Somebody's getting kidnapped. <laughs> and I went to the. I was like, Yep, I got it. I just got it. All right. So I went to the, after I says, "You're a black woman, right?" She quickly says, "No, like, no." Well, uh, like she was really sour and like after I, but i didn't give her like time enough for it to her to say it to, to my face because i turned to the white dude and says i don't know what you call them but i call them black and i look i came back to her i was like i got a black question for you ma'am why don't black women ever pause every three numbers when they give a phone number <laughs> that joke bombed a little bit and i was like i'm gonna leave her alone now because i'm gonna get my ass kicked after the stage wait, what? oh no wait wait oh no wait wait Wait, hold on. I'm confused. Why don't black women pause whenever they get a wait? What? Whenever they, well, why don't black women pause whenever they give a phone number? They always give the number fast as fuck before you get like, like, like three, two, five, 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 six, seven, eight, nine. Bitch, I don't even got my phone now. Wait up, <laughs> bro. That shit, shit would have worked if she wasn't mad. That shit would have worked if she wasn't mad, but like, she she was like sour, and they're not like. And then, like, I try to play up how mad she was. Like, I'm gonna turn around. Like, is she is she laughing? I could feel my face getting hot because she was looking right at me. Like, I felt she was looking for at a me. number. Doing else. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, Mel. Can I get your number? I'm like, <laughs> but yeah, that was like, and like, I the whole shit went went well. The the that was the first time I ever did like good at Liberty Station, like fairly well. And like mm-hmm. after the set, you know, I, like I shake hands with everyone, but like I don't think she was in the mood to to, to say hello or whatever. <laughs> she was really. Is that even like, a racist? Is that even a racist thing? I just, I, this is just a funny observation. 
It's like yeah, it's yeah. like it's like it's like it's like why, why do black women why, why how come when y'all get mad I clap? The fuck is up with that? What are y'all applauding? <laughs> like, but I told you that you ain't gonna fuck. Like, bitch, shut the fuck up. Are you mad or are you giving me a pause? Make up your mind, bitch. Is it only only like uh don't pause before when they give you your phone they give you their phone number. It's only black women who do that and entire white women. You know the white women when you're looking for a parking spot, they're walking down the middle of the uh, middle of the street. Sounds like is no, sounds like those motherfuckers are, are riding those scooters downtown. I hate I hate those bats. Fucking walk. Get an Uber, a taxi, <laughs> something. No, you get, you, how about you just ride on the goddamn sidewalk? That's what there's built for. These motherfuckers be in the middle of the street with their bikes and shit. That, that those electrical scooters, man. Fuck. Mm-hmm. Oh man, this episode went over. Not gonna lie, them hoes look fun as hell though. I'll probably I'll probably be one of those people now that I'm talking about them. I'm not gonna lie to you. You live I'll in be, downtown. I'll be in the middle of the street. <laughs> like I got an actual fucking bike. Oh, this is a motherfucking scooter, nigga. You live in the down- 20... Huh? You live in the down. You live in the downtown area. Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm in Montreux. Ah, Montreux. Oh. <laughs> you say that? My dad. Ooh. My dad look- something got your nose on. Gee, uh, my dad. <laughs> I'll you tell you right now. Now, I told I told my cousin like, "Hey, come to this show." Like I'm doing, and I sent him that. Uh, I'm about to start doing stand up. I told my cousin, "Hey, come check out, come check me uh, do my thing." And I sent him the address of the spot. It was Red Yards. Red Yards is in Montrose. It was like, "Oh, he said, oh, that's Montrose." Like, yeah, what about it? Not just a lot of LGBTQ people there. I was like, "Oh, shit!" Like I don't care. Like the fuck? Why are you telling me? Like I'm supposed to. You know what? He want to. He don't want to come down and get some man pussy. About that. I was like, like, is that supposed to scare me? Like, we in college. You see everyone there. So I was like, I hey, bro, like- I'd rather stay in an LBG2 community than the hood. Let me tell you that right now. <laughs> it's safer. Wanna, all the buildings wanna, look nicer. Because I'm saying, bro, gay people, they know, they know how to take care of this shit. And they look out for one another. Niggas, you know, like, they'll look out for you as long as you got some bread in your pocket. Now, my dad has a tracker on my phone. Uh, like I, I already explained why I have the thing, uh, because you know, my dad's like my GPS dad had tracker. a tracker on my phone too. I had to get a new phone. Like you, know, you ain't finna fucking. Like I already explained, I explained this in the last episode. Y'all go check it out. But like, basically, I had he has a tracker on my phone, and he noticed like every time I tell, "Hey, Dad, I'm about to go hang out with some friends," because they don't know I'm doing. He doesn't know I'm doing stand up. I'm about to go hang out with my friends, or I'm saying, I'm about to go hang out with my cousin. I text my cousin, "Hey, if my dad asks, I'm with you." All right, so, so I do that, you know. And he sees me go to go to Red Yards. That's all him, and, and like I tell him, like, "Oh, Red Yards is like a restaurant. They have like an open mic. We like to go watch the show, me and my friends." So he doesn't know I'm doing stand up. He just thinks I'm going to Red Yards to like check out, you know, that or oh yeah, they have live music. Is is it's all cool. So my dad says. Hey, be careful every go you go to, every time you go to Montrose because it's not the first time I've been there. It was like, be careful every time you go to Montrose. Uh, I don't want you showing up on the Jerry Springer show <laughs> all of a sudden. <laughs> Your mic's off. Hey, is Jerry gay? What? Is Jerry Springer gay? No, he's not gay. He just has a bunch of trans people on his show. Like, 
By the way, I was I was born a man. <laughs> then they get mad. They try to fight. Know that I didn't know any to be bringing up trans people on this show. Oh yeah, that's basically their mainstay. Like people, they they go to the, like dudes go to the club. They they tried to say, "I'm leaving my girlfriend from this for this stripper I met at the club or something." And it was like, then the stripper comes out. I need to tell you, I was born a man. And sometimes you can't like nowadays you can't you can't tell, but still I'm saying like, that brings up a whole lot of clout. Like fuck yeah, I bro, I will be bringing up a whole bunch of transgender people just for the views alone. You know how much money I'll get from that shit? That nigga's profiting. It's bank. Hey, Jerry Springer is a, is very, very like what was I about to say? Jerry Springer provides many hundreds of jobs every year to transgender people. No, you don't see any other company doing that. And he also gives them a, a, a couple of blow jobs. But like, really, my dad says, like, hey, be careful. I, heard, I, like... say, I didn't care. So my... <laughs> I like them stupid jokes. I don't give a fuck. Blow jobs. Damn. Punch line. But the... My dad says, huh? like, be careful. Like... <laughs> <laughs> What you saying? My fault, bro. But my dad basically says, uh, "Be careful. There's a lot of uh, uh, tra- transgender people in that area. Don't don't fuck around. Fuck like think you're fucking with a with a woman, and like it turns out <laughs> you reach down there, fuck. Like <laughs> just be careful out there, son. Don't fuck around. That's what I got. You should you should bring you should bring <laughs> like 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 just like." You don't got to date one, but just bring home a transgender person. And be like, hey, yo, we're going to just tell my dad we're dating. <laughs> I'll do that shit just to fuck with him. You know, you know, my dad, my dad legit called me. Like, I swear to God, it was like 11 p.m. at night. And I haven't talked to this nigga in like two weeks. And he just calls me out the blue. Hey, man, you know what? <sighs> I'm glad you're not gay. I was like, what the fuck? Like, yeah, man, one of my friends has a gay son and he's telling me all the trials and tribulations he has to go through with dealing with his gay son. Man, I'm just glad you're not gay. I was like, uh, like, I wanted to say thank you, but I feel like even saying that would make me sound homophobic. Like, I don't know what to fucking say to this motherfucker. I'm like, okay, you know, you're welcome, dad. <laughs> you're welcome that, you know, I find pussy so appealing. But one of these right. days, I swear, I'm gonna fuck with him. I'm gonna come through with the gay guy. But like, yeah, this is my boyfriend, Jimmy. <laughs> he, just, he, just, he just fucking around. That's just, yeah, I don't, right. yeah, I don't know. <laughs> ah, fuck. Just fuck with your parents. All right, all right we gotta wrap this up now, man. But uh, yeah, anything you need to say before we wrap this up? Where are you gonna be at this week or next week? I'm gonna be at Jacinto City. Right across from Tinseltown, that's a strip club. Meet me there. You can fucking, I'm just fucking with you. I'm not going to be doing nothing this whole week. I'm going to be in Austin probably next week just to uh, check out the sights and the comedy scene out there. But like like I said, this week and next week are my hiatus from comedy. I'm just pretty much going to be writing. However, you can come visit me on Thursdays, every Thursday at the Secret Group. Because I'm going to be hosting, along with Enrique, Joshua Stokes, and Kenji Alonzo. All right. 
and you'll catch me at the at Liberty Station this Sunday that if I make the list. And also to another announcement, uh, third floor cantina starting July 17th, I believe. Um, starting July 17th, uh, they'll be moving their shows from Tuesday nights at uh, Wednesday nights. Still uh, same time, same show. Uh, Liz goes out at eight. Liz goes out at eight p.m. The show starts at nine. It starts with the riff. Y'all make sure y'all be there. Up in Third Floor Cantina in Brian in Brian in College Station, Texas. Marlo, I appreciate you doing this, man. I appreciate you for having me, man. Jet life to the next life. Peace. Oh, yeah.